as I, as I ponder before the Lord, I, I wonder what it is he's doing and what it is that we can do to come out of this thing um, ready to go. Um, that we can hit the decks running when, when the time of COVID is done. Now, over the years, I've, had, I've heard lots of uh, prophetic words that, that said that the, the people of leadership in the next move of God are going to be coming out of caves. Like, in, <laughs> they, they're, they're not, they've not been in a place of, of uh, uh, notoriety. Who was to know that the caves would be our own homes? Because we have all been placed into caves in this season. And in that cave, what's happening? Well, I, I see happening uh, is, is a transference of fear and uh, take care of what little I have. Make sure that me and mine are taken care of. And, and that's good enough. And, and I don't see any Christianity in that. I see a spirit of the world, a spirit of poverty. Spirit of poverty is just let me hold on to the things that I have because I never have enough. But the nature of the kingdom is to give and it shall be given. Whatever little you have, like the widow's might, if you give, you'll be receiving back. You're in God's grace then. You're in God's time frame then. You're, you are fully reliant upon God at that point and not upon your own abilities. And so what are we doing with that? Well, most of the people that I know are doing exactly the same thing as their neighbors are doing. And, and I have a real concern about that. We're not expecting God to show up the way we might have in other eras in our lives, other seasons in our lives. And so what do we do with that? Well, how do we, how do we come out of this and be about His will and about His purposes? Some people have taken to social media to express things. And, and usually it, it just ends up stirring people of mm, the, the opposite opinions, stir them up to say nasty things to you on <laughs> the internet. And that's not what we're about. So what is God doing? What is God preparing in our hearts? I think he's showing us, this is my opinion, we'll, we'll go into the, the, the sermon in a minute, but I think he's stirring us for a real dissatisfaction with the way we had been living. Because the way we had been living, for the most part, was very selfish. Was very, very worldly and, you know, like, I've got to take care of me and my household. And, and as long as we're comfortable, everything's okay. And out of that, we'll give from our excess... And that, that just is not the way the church has worked through, the, through the, the time frame of the church, 2,000 years. 
The church has always been known for one thing. The real church has been known for one thing. And the Emperor Nero was, was given a report. He's the same guy that played Carl's fiddle while Rome burned. Um, the Emperor Nero was given a report. And, uh, how, how do you know who's a Christian? And, and the report was, well, we know that there is one characteristic that they all have, and that is love. Love for one another and love for people that they don't even know. And, and that didn't satisfy him very much. As a, as a result, he burned down Rome and blamed them, wanted to see if they'd still love <laughs> from jail and from uh, the lion's den. But <laughs> how do we love in the midst of our, of our COVID time? How do, we, how do we move on from this? And we see a... Um, a regime change in the United States, and, and, and it, whether you're happy with it or not, uh, and whether it'll last or not, uh, are questions that I don't have the answers for, but, um, but things are changing. The wall has been stopped between U.S. and Mexico. Immigration has been reopened, and um, things that... President Trump had instigated are, are being slashed and burned. <laughs> and a lot of those things I actually liked. But <laughs> so, so what do we do in this time? Where is God? What's he doing? I think he's working on our hearts. I think he's preparing us for something absolutely incredible. And I want to I want to read from um, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, and uh, start in verse 14. The heading on, on my scripture is, Jesus begins his ministry. Well, that's a good place to start. <laughs> now, after John was arrested... That's John the baptizer. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going a little further, or going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. I'll come back to that in a minute. But, um, <clears throat> you 
during our years of ministry, uh, we've, we've had the opportunity to, to build relationship with a number of people around the world. We, we, um, one of them is in the Philippines, and we became very, uh, very bonded to the people there. And, and they shared with us um, their lives. Uh, we, we ended up building a church down there, uh, a church that had a very sad story attached to it. I've told it before, but uh, it, was, it, was a, it was just a, a laughing stock in the neighborhood. Uh, one Sunday morning, a, a, the church was, was meeting, and a bus lost its brakes and ran into the church, and people were killed, and, and so the, the church was left derelict for years. And so we... We paid for it to all be cleared up and, and new structure placed. And, and the, there's a church there in uh, Buena Vista on the island of Mindanao uh, that we built. Now that's, that, that's neither here nor there for the, for the word this morning. It's, as, as we sat around eating with them, we start to understand what's going on. And, and they had this saying, and it was, um, uh, a good provider leaves. A good provider leaves. And I didn't know what that meant. They, they have this philosophy that you get trained up as best you can uh, and then find a way to get to another country. Once you're in the other country, you start to earn money and you send it back. You send it back to your family and your family gets to uh, use that money for food or shelter, but also for education for the others. Also for medications and stuff like that. It's... We think of a good provider staying. A good provider is the dad of the house and he provides for his kids. But down there, and in many other places we found around the world, a good provider leaves. So a good provider becomes a nurse in Canada and sends money back to the Philippines. A good provider leaves. <laughs> and so that... that didn't sit well in my, in my Western sensibility. But I read a report a couple of weeks ago, and, and I, I found that the money that immigrants send back to their families is actually three times the total world's foreign aid budget. Now, let me just repeat that. All of the governments of the world have some money set aside for foreign aid. I think this statistic was before Trudeau got in, as he would have thrown it. <laughs> he sends lots of money away. <laughs> but all of, the, all of the governments in all of the world for foreign aid, their budgets are one-third of what actually transfers from nations back to their homelands. So that, yeah, it's an amazing thing. So we're seeing um, a global immigration happening where people from 
poverty-ridden countries, Africa and India and wherever it is that, <laughs> Central America, where they are actually, many of them, moving lock, stock, and barrel to go to another country. And we're, we're thinking, this isn't good. But from those countries, it becomes life-saving. And so what is it that I and my conservative Western thinking are missing in this? Because, because they think global immigration is good. I'm thinking that it's a bad thing. Why can't I meet them somewhere? <laughs> why can't I understand that? Or why can't they understand me? But it's important that we understand what's going on. And is God in this thing? Because God loves them in Central America. God loves them in the Philippines. God loves them in Africa and India. And it wasn't his plan that people in North America would have you know, two cars and a great big house and a place at the lake and <laughs> I'm, I'm stepping on toes because you're at home <laughs> and by the time you get here <laughs> so, so the like, can, can you see why it's so easy for the um University professors to speak to children that are in their classes and saying the way of the world is, is broken and, and surely there's a better way for income distribution and socialism is our answer. Well, I don't believe socialism is our answer. I believe God is our answer. But we have... We have fallen into a place where we're listening to the world more than we listen to God. We shut God out when he says, I want you to send $2,500 to someplace. Well, that's my whole savings, Lord. Well, talk to the widow and her might, and she gave away all she had. We're, we're so busy being told that our, our, our financial position needs to have um, 5 to 7% increase every year in order to provide for our retirement. And, and, and that has driven many people in Christianity to not give the way we should, not be concerned with other areas. And so our kids take on a different wisdom from the world. They take on socialism and communism and actually believe that it's good. Now we know historically, like if you don't, if you don't study history, you're doomed to repeat it. And so we know statistically that every single time communism has been tried, and it's up to a hundred times now in the history of the world, every time it's it been tried, it's failed and miserably, but our kids these days are smarter than all of that, and so they're, they're going to make this one work. 
I've got a bridge I want to sell you in a minute. <laughs> so, this is weird. What do we do? Now, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not wanting to preach about social equality. I'm not wanting to, to preach about giving away all of our money. I, I, the nature of a vast majority of the, of the sermons that I've preached, and I've prepared over 1,500 sermons in my life, and, and the vast majority of them is relationship with Jesus Christ and hearing His Word listening for what he's actually saying and not what I want him to say and not what I have learned from my forefathers so much as what God is saying to me today and how does that line up with the word Amen. and we need to pay attention to that and, and today what I, what I think I hear him saying is that we need to prepare like the The, the first disciples, we need to prepare to be good disciples and leave. A good provider is one that leaves. A good disciple is also one that leaves. But there's, there's lots of ways to leave. Isn't it Paul Simon that wrote 50 ways to leave your lover? <laughs> I got a music expert here, so I can. <laughs> yeah. My my uh, my music man says one of the basic principles of the gospel is generosity, and generosity seems to have gone out of our out of our um, uh, vocabulary, especially in this last year of COVID time. Giving to, giving to um, um, missions has, has gone down in Canada, and we've, we've always been known for our generosity. So, so something's missing there, and we're being told to, to hoard and to, to, to be prepared. And, and God will do that, but he's doing that so that we can give it away, not because me and my household need it. He will always take care of our needs. Amen. And that, that's just a matter of faith. Amen. He told us he would, he would take care of our needs. <sighs> Lord. So here we see, as we read, that the, the first disciple, Simon, and his, his brother Andrew, they're busy at work. They're fishermen. And Jesus comes along and says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, I, I wouldn't even know what that meant. But they dropped everything and they went with him. And so they came across some other fishermen, James and John, the, son, excuse me, the sons of Zebedee. And the same thing happened. Those two, James and John, left their dad with their servants, and, and uh, they left to be with Jesus. A good disciple leaves. 
Now, we don't know what happened when they took off. The gospel doesn't give us that kind of information. Did they, did they send money back like a good Filipino nurse would to their households? We don't even know if most of them were married. We see that, that um, Simon had a mother-in-law, and that usually entails a wife. Uh, but we, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know about the other ones. And we don't know how they were provided for. It says that Jesus uh, and his disciples were provided for by some women. That, that's what it says. So we, we don't know how they took care of their obligations. We don't know, because it's not in there. You can make up whatever story you want, but it's not biblical fact. So, these guys left. They were given a word by Jesus, and they, they actually chose to honor it and not look past it, not to disregard it. As, as I fear that many of us these days do. So they, they took him up on his word. And they left all that they had. So what does it mean today for a good disciple to leave? A good disciple might leave his workplace, for example. One of the one of the, um, the best-known ailments of our society is workaholism. And, and many men, specifically, but a growing number of women, are, are becoming addicted to the affirmation and positive feedback that they get at work, as opposed to the um, less than positive feedback they may get at home. And so they spend way too much time at work. Now these days, work is at home too for many people. We, we, um, we do our Zoom meetings or we're able to uh, work remotely from our home. And they say, I'm not invited to, into many homes these days, but... They say that, that many people are having difficulty in their marriage because that workspace is what attracts people and the home life, the domesticity, is repelling people. And that's causing animosity and, and fights. And, and, and I'm not talking about the Christian world, I'm just talking about everybody. It's causing a problem having work at home. It may be nicer that you don't have to commute, but the time you would normally be commuting and, and winding down from work or winding up for work uh, is, is, is poured back into the computer and living vicariously through pictures. And uh, that's not good for our society. So a good disciple leaving the workplace 
might be to proactively make decisions about what we're going to do, the timing we're, we're, we're involved with it, with our work. How much, am I gonna, how much of my day am I going to give to work and how much am I going to give to my family? Am I so wrapped up in, in making the almighty buck that I'm, that I'm missing my family? You can, you can be in the same house as people and miss them. We're finding that. It's a terrible... God want to bring correction to me? <laughs> He's got my number. He can phone. So, a good disciple might leave his workplace. A good disciple might leave the comfortable for the uncomfortable. There are ways to do that. Even just for a week or two weeks a year, once we're able to travel again, um, being involved in a mission that, that takes you out of your comfort zone and, and has you doing something that gives you great satisfaction, but not necessarily good sleeping patterns. <laughs> we, uh, we have been a few times to um, remote western Kenya that is very poor. The people there live in houses made of mud, dried mud, but uh, and, and thatched roofs, and, and they have pretty much nothing. You know, you walk, they invite you into their home, and you can see their toothbrushes um, lined up inside the, the thatched roof. Like, those are important things to them, and, and that they actually have toothbrushes. So people, they, they live with nothing. And, and the first time we went there, we stayed in a motel called the um, Trailer Traveler Inn. There was no trailers there. It was, <laughs> it was one up from the mud huts. But um, we, we were in um, uh, mosquito netting all night over our beds, and the first time for some of our people. And one of the, the gals that went with us... Uh, in this room by herself, very dark, in the middle of Africa, and she turns on her flashlight, and there's a bug at the top, a big bug, <laughs> at the top of her mosquito netting, and it's inside the netting. She, she sat there all night <laughs> with the light on this bug. He was trapped. One leg was <laughs> in the netting, <laughs> but she was so afraid that that bug was going to get free. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's the kind of thing that happens there. My own story is that the, my, my door did not uh, um, set flush on the, on the floor. There was about a two and a half inch gap. And, and I was thinking all night, you can get a pretty big snake into a two-and-a-half-inch gap. <laughs> Fear <laughs> enters. But the point of me telling you silly little uncomfortable things there is, is that out of that time, we actually lived through it. We didn't lose anybody there. Nobody died while we were there. <laughs> Somebody tried, who is now a doctor in Ottawa. <laughs> 
She had a terrible fever, and we actually had to pray for her, if you can imagine. And we prayed in Swahili, and we prayed in English, and we prayed in our heavenly language, and the fever left her. And she is alive and helping other people today. But it took us out of our comfort zones and, and gave us a huge sense of, of bonding with one another and with the people of the area. And we felt like we were Christians. Some of the people that went with us felt for the first times in their lives that they had actually done something that might line up with the Bible. Amazing stories. <laughs> but taken out of our comfort zones. Now, right now, we're living in our comfort zones, and we don't ever come out of them. The caves that we're living in are very posh, <laughs> and we're doing okay. But prepare your heart for something else that God may call you to. I'm not saying leave everything. Huh. Like the like the missionaries who sold themselves into slavery so that they could speak to the, the slaves and live among them so that they would never, ever go back to the comfort of their home, but they were slaves the rest of their lives. I'm not asking you to do that. There is something in between that and where we are currently. There's a place for us to come out of our comfort, come out of our complacency, come out of our poverty, because, because we're just trying to hold on to what we got, and that's the, the nature of poverty, and actually give away, give away of our time, give away of, our, of, of the resources that we have. You'd be surprised how much of the Bible you know when, when, when you get the chance to share it with other people. How much of the Bible squeezes out of you when they have need? The church that has done the best historically in the history of church is the church that is persecuted. And hold on to your seatbelts. We, <laughs> we could be entering that time. But it takes a people who will not bow their knee to the government, to the forces around them. I am not saying that we need to rebel. I'm saying that there's ways for us to do things. And we need to be asking God about ourselves and our, and our how do I come out of my cave, Lord? How do I exit this thing? Running and not limping, not afraid, but ready to take on whatever's out there for me. A good disciple is one who leaves the familiar for the unfamiliar. Now, now here's... We have seen, in my lifetime at least... And that's a long time now, but um, the world has changed dramatically. 
There was a time when you could converse with someone and actually have differing opinions, talk about it for a while, not agree with each other in the end, but still respect one another. Now, that was a long time ago when you could do that. Because now, a couple of sentences into disagreeing with one another, name-calling happens. And hatred starts to happen. And, and judgment and categorization. And, and we are unable, as a society, to get along with one another. Because you don't agree with the, what, I, what I know is true. There's two essentially two sides in most arguments in, in North America. And, and they both are sure that they're right. I'm sure I'm right. <laughs> and people on the other side are sure that they're right. And as soon as we start to talk about it, we start to pick up on our own rhetoric, the stuff that we're reading, the stuff that well, I know because I read on Facebook that it said... <laughs> like Facebook has become the, the, the dispenser of medical knowledge, you know, or political knowledge. And, and, and both sides are lying to each other. And, and it's just a rotten shame. So, the unfamiliar to us Maybe like what Jesus had to go through with the disciples. The very first thing, if you look on the next, the next verse from what we were reading, was that they met a man filled with demons. Now, they wouldn't agree with him. He wouldn't have said anything that they agreed with. But they stopped and, and met with him, freed the guy. They didn't run away thinking, well, I know, and he doesn't. He's a Democrat. You know? <laughs> Not all Democrats are filled with demons. I want that perfectly understood. Okay. <laughs> but on and on they went. And every, like, Jesus is from Galilee, and he gathers people from Galilee in this, in this story. He's got four guys from Galilee with him. And Galilee is sort of like um, uh, Newfoundland in Canada. You know, that, that's the way they looked at it, you know. But from there, they met people, and, and, and Jesus went out of his way to go and minister to a Samaritan. Samaritans were, you just didn't talk to those people. They were weird. They, they worshipped in a, in a place that they shouldn't have. And it was forbidden, not in the Bible, but in, in rabbinic um, teachings, to, it was forbidden for a Jewish man to speak to a, a Samaritan. You, you just didn't do it. And we may be getting to that place where the right doesn't talk to the left, or the left doesn't talk to the right one day, but... Jesus went out of his way to talk to the Samaritan and actually free the Samaritan because he trusted his dad and that his dad would fill him with what he needed for that day. What, what would be the matter with listening to people and saying, could you explain that to me a little bit? Rather than, well, you don't know what you're talking about. 
You've been, you've been drinking the Kool-Aid from that side too much and saying those kind of things. So just explain what you got to me. And as they explain, they start to warm up to you. And then you're able to tell them that you're a Christian and that you actually have love for them. Leave the familiar. The familiar gets us into cliques. And we only want to stay with the ones that get along with me and the ones that agree with me. And everybody else is mentally deranged. <laughs> and so that, that reinforces everything. And so we, <clears throat> excuse me, we bring back stories that, yeah, well, I got in an argument with one of those dummies. And, you know, like... <laughs> Leave the familiar. The familiar is not doing us any good. Can we be people that actually want to trust what God is saying to us and move within that? One of the... One of the tenets, one of the foundational core principles of of the, the gospel that I took as my own was give and it shall be given. That as I, as I give, I put myself in a place of need for that thing to be filled again. So I, I, I take out of what I have and I leave a hole. Well, God loves to fill that hole. He loves for his kids to have a need for him. And and we in Western society, we really don't need God, thank you very much. We can make it work on our own. We don't need him to show up, and we'll be just fine. And that's a shame. But if you put yourself in a place of need, and God has to show up, it's amazing how often he does. So in this philosophy, if you would, of Christianity, given it shall be given, is an understanding that, well, God gave me a prophecy that said I'm going to be healed, or I'm going to get this or that. So I'm just going to wait here for God. Well, that may work for you. But I, from my experience and, and my observation, is that you're going to be waiting a long time. God has time on his side. But if you're walking with God, and actually, actually out there giving away the thing that you need, you'll be healed along the way. So if you have need of healing, pray for healing for others. You're in God's sights at that moment. Give away the thing that you have need of. Even if you think you don't have enough of it. Well, I can't pray for healing because I'm waiting for my healing. You can still pray for other people to be healed. And watch what God does. My experience is that he heals the people in those situations more often than he heals them while they're waiting at home. If you look at, the, at, at the, the, the scriptures, it's while, while Jesus is out walking and, and moving from place to place that he heals and people are healed. 
And that's, that's what I think he wants to do with us, to go back to that. Now, but pastor, I'm not allowed to go out of my house. Well, your car is full of gas. Your, your fridge is full of food. Where did you get those? You were out. You're meeting with somebody. You're building relationship with somebody. What's the matter with asking God, do you have anything you want to say to them? Instead of, well, I can't talk to them. They have a mask on. You can actually talk to people. Their ears are not covered. We have the ability to reach out every single day, somehow, and to give away something. A pastor used to preach, give away a smile. Now nobody sees my smile. <laughs> well, that's true. It's covered. But they can see your eyes. And eyes smile as well as teeth. <laughs> and people can see if they'll get their eyes up. Because they're so busy looking down, they're ashamed that, that they're afraid of what you might give them. <laughs> but if you're contagious with love, watch what happens. We have love to give away. We have love to dispense. We have healing to dispense. The desire for God to heal us and to heal the people around us has not, has not diminished because of COVID. He is still in the, in the business of healing people, of providing for people, of reconciling people. He has not changed his modus operandi. We have. What can we do to be proactive in this life? Look for God, no matter what your day looks like, look for God to move through you, that you might be a blessing. You might be a blessing. You can talk to people. Pray for people. There you go. <laughs> you can yell at people. <laughs> you can be about the business of God no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. God has a plan. So the, the message this morning is that a good disciple, and we're all called to be disciples, a good disciple leaves. Leaves the comfort of our caves, leaves the comfort of, of our poverty mindset where we've got to hold on to the little we've got and actually gives away. That actually believes that there is a God who will fill my needs. That actually puts that into practice and gets it out there. He is amazing. Give him a chance to be amazing with you. Give him a chance to talk to you today. Because he will. And he does. A good disciple is a disciple that leaves. So let's pray. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, that you're good all the time. Thank you, Lord, that you're with each person that's with us today. I so wish 
that we could be together. And we trust you that that will happen soon. Like it's six o'clock, Lord. Lord, we, we know that you're with the people at home and the people listening in, in other places, in their offices, on their phones while they're doing something. Lord, would you touch each one with the vibrancy of your word. You chose disciples that would leave immediately. The comfort and the uh, familiarity of where they were. What they were doing. You've chosen us as disciples. Even if we're at home and haven't been out for months. You've chosen us because this is the time that we were made to live in. We were chosen for this time and this season because you put something in us that makes us want to be about your business, to be about bringing glory to you. And so, Lord, each one that's watching, they have need of healing. They have need of reconciliation. They have need of provision, some. Would you, would you pour that out as they give it away? Your principles are, give and it shall be given. So Lord, help us to give, even if it's in a small way. Help us to give so that there is a need that we have that you can fill. And we can see it and rejoice in it, be glad that you have and be about your business and look to give more away so that there is a need that we have that you will fulfill and we will be glad in it. And on and on the cycle will go as our trust grows for you and we see that you have a way to work even in this season. And when we leave this season, we're actually doing the stuff so much that it's just natural for us to give it away more and more and more. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you're up to good things all the time. Help us to be your people and not a people filled with fear. Not a people who, who have taken on so much bad news that the good news of your gospel is... is not even opened on a daily basis. Help us to open your word and see that you're speaking to us fresh and new every day. You have something for each of us and that we can grow in this time and be about your business in this time. I bless you for each one, Lord. We look forward to stories coming out of this time and this season of how you awakened us in our caves and allowed us to have ministries that we didn't even dream about. You are amazing. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Thanks for being with us. We love you. If you need anything um, uh, specific, call the church or call somebody that you know and, and let us know. Uh, we can be about God's business too. Bless you.
Amen.